So as I mentioned last podcast, I'm getting some talks ready for our trip. Is actually I'm looking forward to this trip for a few reasons because first it's some holiday time. You're like priests, sometimes we can be away from our parishes a lot nowadays because there's so few of us. So you're away for meetings. You're away for you, you get a couple extra days of holidays usually after Christmas and Easter. In our diocese, we get 30 days of holidays a year plus a couple days extra after Easter and Christmas. Oh, that's interesting. So. For people who don't know, priests, they only get one day of rest a week. We get, I get Monday. Father Anthony's, I know, is changing to something else soon. Right, but right Anyways, now it's Thursday. Yeah. And That's when I play Fortnite. Exactly. So I, I really take uh, advantage of my day of rest and my holiday time. It's one thing I don't feel guilty about taking. I feel guilty be, being away a lot because I sure. have been away a lot for my parish from uh, priest retreats and meetings and everything. And then you have a month of holidays on top of that. But at the same time, I'm really looking forward to this trip because I'm going to Denver. It's essentially a Twitter meeting trip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to Denver to meet J.D. Flynn, which will be really awesome. And I'm actually oh, having coffee. He's great. Yeah. yeah, I'm staying at his place for a couple of days. So it'll be really nice. That's really cool. And I get to meet all the employees at Catholic News Agency. And if we get one of their employees who I've known for a few years on Twitter, I've promised to buy them pizza for lunch. So all right, uh, get, yeah. get on it, guys. Um, <laughs> And then uh, New Mexico is more about the sisters as I talked about, though there is a, I'll be meeting one guy for drinks there. And then going to Washington to meet a bunch of people. We're probably gonna do a Twitter meetup on the Thursday night there as well, which will be really nice. And then uh, doing Pittsburgh with uh, some of you guys. Yeah, so wait, you're coming to Pittsburgh and yep. then uh, Father Dan, yep. at Frocky Dan's going to Pittsburgh. Yep. And Father um, Michael. Mike, yeah. Yeah. Um, you and Alec. You, well, you, I mean, we're already in Pittsburgh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, you're in Butler, not Pittsburgh. Well, eh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm Pittsburgh yeah, Diocese. Yeah, Pittsburgh yeah. Diocese. Okay, Butler then, people would be very mad at me. They are from yeah. the city of Butler, not Pittsburgh. But yeah. And then Friar Nick is also meeting up with us on the Sunday. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so it'll be really... I'm really looking, we, we chat a lot, and so we, we text a lot with each other. And so it's really nice to to finally actually meet in person we'll actually be able to tweet to each other while we're in the same room exactly, exactly. isn't that beautiful and for people who don't know we are going to be doing a special podcast with all six of us when we're all together in a few weeks yeah whether you like it or not so i'm father harrison and i'm father anthony and welcome to clerically speaking all right yeah i feel i kind of feel like saying that like kind of like you're you're uh what's like a pbs show like and welcome to clerically speaking you know and right you have to have that deep voice and you got your npr voice yeah my my npr voice and <laughs> welcome to clerically speaking you have a much more npr voice than i do <laughs> my voice is more like jarring i think it was like on the first podcast i don't know if nick still does this he might still do this producer nick my brother like he'll add more bass to my voice to make yeah. it sound more pleasing to the listener yeah. <laughs> really I mean, it's very kind of harsh and grating hey i'm a priest <laughs> my poor parishioners yeah. have to listen to that every homily uh, it's it's hard. I do actually listen to this podcast just to see how it's going and how our flow is going and everything. It's really hard yeah. to listen to yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're like, do I actually speak like that? <laughs> yep, all the all the time. All the time. So, so how are you that, doing? I'm doing great. So that weekend, that all y'all, yeah. all yins, I should say, <laughs> yins guys, uh, yeah. some Pittsburghese for you, are coming to Pittsburgh. <laughs> that those are the last few days before my new assignment. So. Yeah, uh, both Father Alec and I are getting ready to move, so we're gonna we're gonna say Mass is the fourteenth in the morning, and then um, 
the first new day on the job is the 15th. And, um, and so you guys are coming, and I like all you guys. But yeah. also, um, Taylor Schroll from the Forte Catholic podcast is also going to be in the Pittsburgh area, oh as gosh. he keeps reminding me. So he's going to be in the area too, but I'm probably just going to ignore him and not hang out with him. So This is a good method. Right? I think it's good too. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and also, so I'm super sweaty. <laughs> Why? Does everyone knows? <laughs> because I yelled a lot on our last recording. Yeah. And my brother's house, because he's works for the church and doesn't make a lot of money, I guess he can't afford air conditioning or whatever. Well, how, how hot is it there right now? I, it's actually pretty warm today. Like, it was cooling down for a while. This, I mean, Pittsburgh weather, it can be super warm one day and super cold the next day. Unlike Canada, which is freezing the entire time and always snowing. So mm-hmm. you won't understand, but the weather's kind of varies in this area. <laughs> so it's not like a heat or anything. It's just hot. Yeah, it's just hot and sweaty. I don't know what, I don't know. Um, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. uh, I, I'm still in the midst of leaving my parish. Yeah. And I can't figure out, this is, bo- is going to be a subtle way to like put myself over, to compliment, compliment myself. I can't tell if people are going to miss me more or my homilies more hmm. so it seems like they're really gonna miss my homilies which hmm. is nice it's nice to yeah. hear that but yeah. like the reason why i bring that up is because i've i've learned over the last few days that like as long as you can preach well you can do a lot of good in your parish right like it's it's hitting me with everyone everyone's comments and responding to me like um more people going to confession they said you know i started going to confession more because of your homilies and sort of thing I'm like oh my goodness my homies actually did a thing. Praise Jesus yep. Christ, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, it's like, always oh, it's always satisfying yeah. when you hear that. Yeah. It's not just like because the most. <laughs> so this annoying thing will happen sometimes, and it's it's well intentioned. So like you'll do a homily, whatever, and you've got maybe in there a joke or something witty or a story, and people will compliment the silly story. Yeah. But meanwhile, you're like, but I tried to talk about Jesus Christ for most of the homily. Do you remember yeah. that part? Nope. <laughs> please remember that part, please. No, they I think, remember I think, the story. I think part of it is like it's hard on your way out to be like, you know, Father, that homily really touched my heart and made me rethink my entire faith. Like, that's a very vulnerable thing to say to someone if it yeah. happens. It's much right. easier to say, hey, hey, it's really funny to learn that you were terrible at baseball when you were younger, Father Anthony. Yeah. Like, that's way more fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I was watching a video on YouTube the other day about, I love Fulton Sheen. I think he's one of the greatest preachers of our of the last century. And, I will agree with you. And I wish we could find full-length video. Uh, he did a conference once on the art of preaching. Mm. And so, anyway, so it was a kind of video that was kind of weaving in some of the clips from this video. And this one guy mentions about how the, pre- the act of preaching itself is not our work. It's God's work because we never yes. know what line is actually going to touch people. And he says that this one man went up to a cardinal one day and he says, I want you to know that one, that your, your sermon one day really changed my life. And he goes, well, where was it? He goes, oh, is that this church over here? He goes, oh, okay. Well, what part of the preaching did I talk about? He goes, well, you said in your, in your sermon, that's the first part. Now we're going to go on to the second part. And it kind of hit me. I just finished the first part of my life. And now I'm entering into the second part of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Just right? a throwaway transition line. Exactly, right? Yep. But it shows you that it's the work of the Spirit. And I, I don't know if you've ever encountered this, but people will say, I really love this about your homily. I'm thinking, I didn't say any of that. <laughs> that has happened. And yet they hear that and it touches mm-hmm. them. And that's awesome. Yep. 
Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's very, uh, it's good. It's like, okay, yeah. God can do something with me, even yeah. though I'm very silly. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Mm-hmm. So, shall we get on to Summa Tweetologica? Without any further ado. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. have to fly a lot sometimes this year i've flown a lot and mm-hmm. so you, you get used to how airlines work zones you know about status and stuff like that with air canada jennifer fullweiler we're, we're, we're going for the big guns here yeah jennifer fullweiler says if i were a flight attendant i'd make up boarding classes now boarding platinum plus star alliance gold medallion Regal Viceroy, Emperor's Choice, Diamond Scepter, Bronze Earl, Cloud Baron, and Sky Wizard members. <laughs> I really like Sky Wizard at the end. <laughs> so did like I. How, how much do you have to fly to become the Sky Wizard? Like, you should get a hat for that, along yeah. with the special club you go into. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I've, I've flown enough this year that I actually I have status on Air Canada. Oh. Yeah. So I... Trust me, folks, I don't chase this. If it happens, it happens. You don't, I'm not flying to get this stuff. It's just, I've had to fly a lot this year. So yeah. it's really, I don't know. I had a good laugh at that because it's so true. And uh, she actually makes this real joke about how she thinks sometimes people, they're calling up fake statuses sometimes yeah. just to make, just, <laughs> just to make mess with people. <laughs> well, no, because maybe the plane's delayed and they can't, they don't want to make people even more angry about a delayed flight so they say oh uh, they're like still cleaning up or something like that so mm-hmm. we're not going to have our diamond our triple diamond club come up now we'll give you five minutes <laughs> you have a five minute window and no one ever goes up right so i don't know i just it was a fun tweet and if you fly a lot you get this and uh it would be a lot of fun to just try that out yeah so i was um i went on vacation with a good family they're very close i'm, I'm friends with them yeah. and um the father of the family does all kinds of like credit card magic. Nothing illegal, but kind of using all the bonuses and maneuvering well and keeping right. on top of things. So like he and his wife, even though, um, you know, they're not the wealthiest of people, they can go on vacations together and they work things out. They're just very resourceful that way. Yeah. And so they brought me on uh, for this vacation and they got to go to one of those um, like lounges like yep. the specialty lounges, and yep. it was amazing. Oh, is that your first time in a lounge? Yeah. Oh, okay. So like you got like I had a drink for free. Yep. Not only that, this was in Pittsburgh, and there were free pierogi there as well. Nice. Which totally nice. just made the trip. Like it was just so fancy. Like little bottle of bubbly waters. I was like, yep. oh, oh. You're like you're like <laughs> opening your bag. You're just like stuffing as many free bottles in there as possible. Exactly. It's like this. Yeah. Is this what it means to be successful in the world? I can see the temptation now. Pierogi yeah. and bubbly water. This so, is what brings people into hell. This is what it is. Yeah. So I gotta share. I'll share this. Go I'm ahead. probably gonna make people angry about this, but that's okay. Yeah. Do uh, it. I was going to Europe 
I was going after I finished seminary. I went to Europe for three weeks with a mm-hmm. class with some friends. Just uh, I had been saving up and I wanted to go. So I have a friend in Canada who is top tier status on Air Canada. And so with that top tier status, he can do free upgrades for a friend. So he did a free upgrade for me to business class international, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which was it was amazing. Uh, it was so nice. It's huge, huge upgrade. Well, that's like a six thousand dollar ticket, and I didn't have to pay a penny, right? Yeah. So, but and then I landed in London, and it was just, I, I mean, I've I've done the lounge thing many times, but um, where it really hit me was when you when you are when you get access to lounges in in international destinations, they have arrival lounges. Mm-hmm. So they have a shower and they have this little box that you can put all your clothes in. They'll go press them for you while you're showering. And then when you, when you finish your shower, they put them back in the box for you to put your clothes on freshly pressed after being in the plane for eight hours. That's amazing. And then you sit down and they bring you a menu and they say, what would you like for breakfast? Anything on the menu, it's yours. We'll go make it right now for you. And it was like, I was like, ah, this is nice. This is uh, so it's not something I've, it's the only time I've experienced that. It was a nice one-time thing. Uh, mm-hmm. but it was pretty neat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Before we let the goods of this world distract <laughs> us from the goods of heaven, let's let's read a tweet that has a little bit more austerity to it. So this is from, I'm going to try to say it the way it's said on other popular Catholic podcasts. This is from Sister Cecilia Ciccone, uh, yes. who is an underrated sister on Twitter. Look, she only has 200. Well, she's, a, she's a novice, right? Oh, she's a novice. That's why she doesn't have... Once she makes her perpetual or her permanent vows, she'll get more followers. Is that how it works? I think as long as once you make at least temporary vows. Sister Teresa Teresa, Alate- Sister Teresa Alatea only yeah. is still temporary vows. I, I think. Well, anyway, I think, everyone, I think. everyone should follow this sister because she's yes. like funny and yeah, she's has awesome. good spiritual thoughts. Yeah. But anyway, so this is the tweet she tweeted recently. I'm going to tweet about this one time. I'm going to tweet about this one time and one time only. I am giving up coffee. Thoughts and prayers greatly appreciated. Sister, by doing this, you will win and free many souls from purgatory. And they'll be very grateful for this tremendous sacrifice. And I, I say that, it sounds like I'm joking. I'm super not joking. No, this is, I know. This is a huge sacrifice. It is. I don't know how anyone could do this. Yeah. Have you yeah. ever given up coffee for Lent? I, I have before. Uh, it, how, was how when I was, it was when I was young and zealous and, and in seminary <laughs> and still very holy, right? Yeah. I gave it up. And um, uh, I didn't realize, like, you, like you hear, oh, caffeine, caffeine addiction is a thing. It, like, oh, yeah. super is. Like, I had, like, mo- I had, like mood swings yep. and, like, headaches. It was, it was bad. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know what? There's other things in my life I need to work on, and uh, coffee's not one of them. I have this lovely, lovely espresso machine in the rectory. Yep. It yep. has saved my life and the life of my parishioners more times than they even know. Yeah, I, I refuse yeah. to give up caffeine. I tried it. I did it again. Same thing when I was younger and more idealistic. Mm-hmm. I gave it up. It was very... I'm not a morning person. I've never Ugh. been a morning person. Yeah. I. It takes me usually till about noon to actually wake up properly. So... Uh, <laughs> I am right there with you. <laughs> so I... I'm like... I'm the type of person I can stay up, but I get like a... I get energy at like 10 o'clock at night, right? So... Mm-hmm. I need caffeine to get me going in the morning. And yeah. I just kind of decided I'll never give up coffee because I will be a penance to others if I do. Yeah. I've, cause I've, I've had those days where for whatever reason I couldn't get coffee and then, Oh my gosh, the headaches and it's not mm-hmm. fun. And God bless her. Uh, 
pray for her sisters too because for that first week uh, oh right pray for that community yeah exactly mm-hmm. it's gonna be it's gonna be rough yep so yeah all right um <laughs> so actually do you have a, do you have another one because i want i want to bring up one but i think it'd be a good one to end with okay i want to take, i want to bring up katie's but i want to bring it up at the end because i think it's a bit more of a discussion Okay, let's see. Da, da, da. Something that's light and fluffy. Oh, let's do this one from Hunter that you picked. Hunter's tweets are always light and fluffy. Let's see. This is from at Hunter Lanceman. What did he say? Was seeing red during mass. Oh, no, this is a big one. Uh, this is a big one. <laughs> oh, this, is a, this was a mistake. We're going to do it anyway. Okay. It's too late. We've already gone in. Oh, Lord have mercy. All right. Was seeing... <laughs> Oh no. Okay. Was seeing red during mass, hearing a homily that Kavanaugh's accuser was a last ditch effort to throw a wrench in the works and a travesty that it's happening to him. Okay, so rules for engagement with this tweet. We're yes. gonna use this tweet to talk about the idea of talking about politics exactly. on Twitter. When, and homilies and homilies. Right, and homilies. So like there are plenty of other podcasts that can talk about the Kavanaugh thing. That's their job, not that. ours. We ain't doing that. Okay, okay. So, okay. <laughs> uh, politics and homilies. Super no. The only time I preach about politics in homilies is when I'm saying that we use politics as an idol. Yeah. Like, that's one of the big things I preach about. Like, we actually care more about who is the president than who is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like, very much so. Exactly. Like, yep. I can say words like heaven, hell, sin, grace things with eternal consequences people don't care if i say the word republican or if i say the word democrat everyone is on the edge of their seats because here's the thing everyone suspects that father agrees with them and agrees with their politics and politics are the only thing that actually matter in this world yeah which is stupid and wrong and dumb i know it's stupid that's why i'm saying amen to your not to that opinion but yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I kind of go the same route that uh, to remove the idolatry of it all. I have got a couple where I've talked about some decisions we've had to make as, as a nation. So I remember last time, just before our federal election uh, in Canada, it was the Supreme Court struck down the uh, laws against euthanasia here, mm-hmm. but it was up to the Parliament. I know these are all just like blah blah words to you parliament yeah i'm totally ignoring prime right minister now. go ahead i'm sure somebody <laughs> thinks this is interesting whatever um anyways uh, so it's up to the new parliament essentially to establish a law surrounding euthanasia and so i just preached on this saying what we as a as catholics have a duty to do when informing our conscience about who we're going to vote for i didn't say who to vote for i just said here are the categories that we need to take into account i had mm-hmm. some pretty mean uh reactions to it because people were essentially saying well you're just saying i can't vote liberal i said i never said that i'm just saying these are things you have to take into consideration but if i take those things into consideration i can't vote liberal i'm like that's not my fault that the liberal party stands for those things but i'm not saying that you have your own conscience right Right. it was just it gets funny how people read that so that's about the closest i've gotten to politics but i'm very careful i don't call out someone would have to do something very atrocious politically for me to call them out personally in a homily right like, I'll speak about abortion. Like, abortion yeah, yeah. Is, is wrong. Yes, and it is exactly. a greater sin and a greater deal than other things. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'll talk about that. But yeah. that's not... 
I mean, it's a political issue because it's a moral issue, but that's different. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, yeah. like I think we can provide what the church provides, which is these issues and how the church stands on these issues as far as yeah. social justice and abortion and euthanasia and care for the poor. We need to inform consciences, but that's all I'm going to do. Right. So it's interesting for me, though, too, as an outsider, as a person from a foreign mythical country. Thank you. Um, yes. Looking at the American situation, I've heard this a lot, like people preaching about, you know, your SCOTUS pick or yep. whatever, and people really making their politics into their religion in a homily and, and in sermons. And it, this is such an interesting, like as the outsider, this is very interesting to me because this just, we're so apathetic towards politics in Canada. We just don't care. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> have you ever heard of Canadianism as a heresy? Exactly. No, we haven't. But because... you have heard of Americanism as a heresy. Exactly, because, because you guys are all is. heretics and we aren't. Wow. Well... <laughs> <laughs> ah, I walked right into that. No. Yes, you did. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because Canada has always had a... Well, it has like almost a Catholic uh, foundation in the French, no. right? Oh, in the French, yes, in the French. But not not in the English-speaking. It was Protestant. Sure. French. Oh, exactly, exactly. So like yeah. um, America, there's this kind of like weird tradition of Americans trying to get Protestants to like them. Uh, and that has <laughs> so influenced people's common ideas about faith. So right. a lot of times I'm preaching against these things because people think that this is the Catholic position when it's not, it's a Protestant position or it's, yeah. it's just not Catholic. So, and this idea that America become comes before, you know, the church is wrong. We're mm -hmm. Catholic. And so right. I have to constantly preach about that. Um, and it's difficult to do because people care more about their politics, more about red and blue team than they do about Jesus Christ. And it drives me flipping insane. Okay, actually, that's enough of that. Sorry. Yeah. I, well, sorry. One quick point. You actually, I, I thought you made a good point there, though, about um, how people will, like, their blood will boil if you mention a position, a political position that they don't agree with. Oh, yeah. But it won't boil if you say, if you do this sin, you're going to hell. Yeah. Like, if I talk about contraception... Everyone will just kind of, I'm, I'm, not everyone, but a lot of people will just quietly disagree with me because I'm the young yeah. priest who doesn't know anything, even though I'm yeah. just teaching what the church has always taught. Like, yeah. I'll get some of that and a little bit of blowback from that. Um, yeah. and, I, and I say this because I've said the words Republican and Democrat just to get people to listen to me. And I talk about how politics, it takes over our lives and is dumb. So, yeah. And, and you can feel the tension in the room. It's amazing. Yeah, I know. It's really, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, it, we should do a podcast on this one day because I think there'd be, I think actually our two perspectives on this would actually yeah. be really interesting for a dialogue on this. Okay. All right. So uh, last one, I, it's a bit of a thread and, and there was actually a lot of different stuff in it too. Katie or Katie uh, Prisian McGrady uh, was saying how she spoke at a Catholic high school assembly and, and she said that was a tough crowd for her, right? That, uh, they weren't disrespectful or rural, rude, but it was just so evident that they so rarely hear about uh, the abundance of God's perfect, the abundance of God's perfect love. Uh, and, right? What? Yeah. What? Why are you? Uh, because I felt emotions. That's how I express myself. Uh, okay. Uh, but continue, continue. I'll express them in a more coherent way when you finish talking. Okay. So hopefully, I. So I, I, I kind of responded to it saying, I wonder if this kind of goes deeper, something that we've kind of talked about here and there too, mm -hmm. that there's no religious sense to use a uh, Jisanism. Uh, 
there's no religious sense in these kids. There's no desire for God. And so when even if we hear about God's love for us, it doesn't actually touch the heart because we don't desire that. And so it just kind of goes, I don't know. That's just kind of, and she said, and she said, well, she said, she said, she, she agrees with that. Uh, so anyways, I just thought, I just thought it, it was a really interesting tweet about um, yeah. just how hard this work is and how much we have to bend ourselves to make youth and people far away from the church to be able to hear just like the basic, basic message of Christianity. It is tough work. You have to bend. You have to simplify your language in a very radical degree. Okay. Yes and no. Hence okay. the reason for my meh sounds, which just to mess up what you were saying. And it's distracting. Um, anyway, <laughs> because, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with some of those points, but like, um, Young people are lied to all of the time. Right. And if they're not, even if it's not malicious lying to, it's a, um, they grow up very often without reliable and loving and competent authorities. So they might have one of those attributes. They might be competent, but not, I don't know. But like, they grow up without this kind of home or foundation or faith or something like that. And so when you're talking to them, they're going to assume right away you're one of these people who just mm-hmm. says stuff and mm-hmm. says stuff that they don't mean. Mm-hmm. And this is one thing that um, is good about young people. And I, I, I don't know why, but they can sense authenticity kind of right away. Okay. And if you are first authentic with them, because that's the problem. A lot of times like older people try to sound young and it's tempting to do that or try to relate to them. Uh, I've, I've known, you know, people of, a, of the boomer generation who are just themselves and the youth group falls in love with these core members, these, right. these people who are, because they're just themselves. They're not trying to be anyone else. Yeah, yeah. So they're, and this is actually, I'm not talking about Katie at all right now. I'm just yeah, yeah, yeah. off on a tangent because I have, you know, no idea. Um, but if you can do that and just be yourself and talk in a real way, not not trying to talk to them, not right. trying to implement a program in your mm-hmm. conversation, but you just talk to them, the response comes pretty easy. In my experience, I don't know if that's, I mean, that's just, eh. Um, because... I don't, I don't disagree with that at yeah. all. I, 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 I would totally be on board with all that. I just, um, but like if you're, if you're being brought in to talk to a school, for example, uh, it just, it's, it's, a, it's hard work. It is, because, I'm just saying, it's showing to me that Listen, it's hard. You can be authentic as all you want in a yeah. in a large school assembly or whatever, but you have no relationship with those kids often, and so and you can't really establish one either. You've been brought in, you've been kind of parachuted in to do this talk. Yeah, that takes and skill. that's right, and that takes skill. Yeah. Um, and so when you're doing those events, I just find that there's a lot. These kids have lost a lot of meaning and purpose in life. They, like you said, they've been lied to so much that when they hear the truth they can't even recognize it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the youth group thing too because I, I just had our first youth group the other night and I said to the kids, the first thing I said, listen, you guys are teenagers. I'm 35. I don't get teenagers anymore. I'm not one anymore. And yep. I have no desire to try and pander to you and to try and be someone I'm not. Uh, so you're just going to get me for who I am and 
whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it was really good. I said, and then I said to them, what, what kind of things do you want to talk about this year? Because we don't have a, we're small, yeah, yeah. we don't have a program or anything. So I'm just going to do that. And we had, I have like a list of 12 different topics to do with them now because they all gave me good stuff. But it's like, I find when you're just, you're right. I think authenticity is a big thing too, though, for sure. Yeah. Oh, speaking yeah. about being old. Yeah. So I'm 29 and yeah. I was pretty sure I wasn't old until I saw like a bunch of 20 somethings, like early 20s on Twitter saying, you can tell people are old if they use reaction gifs on Twitter. And I was like, I use reaction yeah. gifs all the time. And I enjoy that. Oh, oh. no. Oh, We've become no. Facebook mums. I know. Isn't that <laughs> horrifying? Oh, my gosh. No offense like, to any it, Facebook the thing, mums. The worst thing was, the worst thing was, I was like, I'm going to keep doing it because I like it. And yeah. I was like, oh, no, that definitely means I'm old. Oh, no. <laughs> the things we uh, criticize in others, we start to realize we actually end up doing ourselves. And that's yeah, wisdom. That's we will wisdom. be the boomers. And now it is time for presbyteral exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. Mm -hmm. oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn. Oh, 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 it's my favorite part. Oh, it's oh, the oh, best part. <laughs> Yes, yes, quite. quite. Yes, right. So, Father Anthony, how much do you know about Mother Teresa? You know, not a lot. Okay. I know she was a very nice lady. Yep. And she did stuff with the poor in Calcutta. Yep. She had some sort of experience okay. on a train, and then she was holy for a long time, and then she didn't experience the feeling of God for a long time, and she's a saint. Uh -huh. The end. And people really like her. That is what I know okay. about Mother Teresa. Oh, so, an atheist really hate her. I'll add that. Oh, in. my gosh. Don't you get me started on, um, what's his name there? Hitchens. Christopher yep. Hitchens. That is what um, I know. So I was that way myself until, I want to say, it was 2007 when her book, Come Be My Light, came out. Um, and it was making a lot of, I don't know if you remember this at all. You were, you're a bit younger than me, so maybe you don't. I don't know. Uh <laughs> but still not young enough to be cool, as we learned exactly. in our last segment. <laughs> you would have been 18 at the time. Yeah. So uh, I, anyways, Come Be My Light came out, and it was making a lot of headway in the news. Catholic saint is atheist and stuff yeah, like that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I, yep, yep. I was like, that's stupid. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I said, well, I better go buy the book and read it. And I read it, and I fell in love with it pretty much immediately and so I, I read it almost I've read it about a dozen times now and uh, I actually wrote a paper on it in seminary for spiritual theology class so the idea was to take a saint's life and to do to show what they teach us about theology so I wrote mm. a paper on that and my, my professor said yeah you can do Mother Teresa even though it's not a proper autobiography he says you can do that so I did that and it was really fruitful and life-giving for me in so many ways and in fact when i'm doing this retreat next this weekend for the young adults at the university this is kind of the core of my topic for my retreat because yeah. most people are i'd say like my me i i knew about her a little bit more just because i was in high school when she died so uh, yeah. that was 97 or 98 when she passed away mm -hmm. so 
I wasn't practicing or anything, but you knew who Mother Teresa was. Like it was, well, I'm no Mother Teresa, you know, that was kind of the phrase everyone would throw around to yeah. show like this is the ideal of what charity looks like. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk to her about today because I think a lot of people don't know a lot about her. Uh, mm-hmm. You've seen me tweet about her. You've seen me. I did a little uh, Periscope one time about her a little bit. But I want to kind of go a bit more in depth about her. I did a, I got interviewed on Hallie Lord's show once too about this, but I thought it's just good to kind of repeat it. So I want to talk about who Mother Teresa is, a little bit about her life. I want to talk about her spiritual experience, the darkness she went through. And I want to talk about how that's, she's kind of a saint for our times. Sound yeah. good? Yeah, yeah, okay. do it. All right. So let's talk a bit about her life. So she was born in um, Albania and uh, grew up in a Catholic family. She did her first communion. It's really weird when you read this stuff from like the early 20th century. She was five and a half when she did her first communion. Uh, That's a weird. How Wait, when did we do first communion? Seven is usually the age now. This was before the law that said age of reason. Okay. But then so wasn't, it, wasn't it older before, at least in the, in the Latin rites? I have no idea. Meh. I don't know. Anyways, she was five For the and record, a half. for the record, we should receive communion when we're babies. Continue, continue. Oh, yeah, style another podcast. <laughs> Drop uh, that bum. Continue. I, I agree. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, so she was five and a half. She received her first communion, and she had a deep desire to save souls for Jesus. But when she was growing up as a child, as a teenager, she had a pretty ordinary life. She would go to Mass every Sunday. In her teenage years, even, in fact, she always had the sense she wanted to be a nun, but she started to doubt that when she was in high school, and she kind of hummed and hawed and thought, maybe I'll just get married. Mm-hmm. So it gets really interesting hearing this already. You realize that she had no, there's nothing supernatural about her early life in terms of her vocational discernment or anything, but she eventually did decide at the age of 18 to join the Sisters of Loretto, who are kind of like female Jesuits in many ways. What uh, do you they, mean by that? Are I mean by crazy that, people? No, I mean by that. <laughs> That they follow Ignatian spirituality and that they're very intellectually, well intellectually formed and they take on a large teaching ministry and stuff. And she wanted to serve the poor in India, uh, even from a, uh, through these sisters. So she went off to Ireland to train for her novitiate and stuff. And then once she made her first vows, she was sent down to India. And it's very interesting. We don't know a lot about her early years. She refused always to talk about them. She said, they're not important, (laughs) which actually, I mean, that tells you a lot right there because (laughs) it really wasn't because she does. It's not to say that they weren't good or anything. They don't tell you anything about her mission. Yeah. So why do I need to talk about that? Right. (laughs) Which is really cool. Right. Where when you read the letters, um, you hear around the age of 25, she's writing a priest. She knows. And she says to this priest at the age of 25, I have not thought of self for some time. See, now, okay. If a young person were to come to me and say that sentence, I would be like, that is some sort of sentence that you're parroting. There's no way it's true. Right. Right? Because that happens to a lot of young people. Like, they start reading the saints and then start kind of parroting these things. And this happens genuinely. I don't fault people for that. It's it's something that, like... Part of it's part of good zealous are. youth right absolutely yep. but like i'm also kind of quietly being like this is probably be this is probably bs but it's yep. okay it's okay yeah yeah i feel so, like you're gonna say it wasn't for mother Teresa. it wasn't um <laughs> so i 
before I, I wanted to speak quickly uh, in the mystical tradition, there's kind of three traditional stages. There's uh, the purgative, the, uh, the illuminative and the unitive stages, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. The purgative stage is about detaching yourself from mortal sin. The illuminative stage is about detaching, detaching yourself from all other forms of sin. And the unitive stage is that you have perfected charity and you are in deep union with God. Always you have stopped thinking about yourself. Dun, dun, dun. And she achieved this by age 25. Not too shabby. And I, I was talking to her, the postulator of her cause, Father Brian, one mm -hmm. time, and he was saying that he figures by reading other documents, she probably achieves the stage sometime around the age of 23. So you have to, I mean, this, <laughs> but I'm just thinking think, about what a punk I was at 23. That's all. Yeah. I'm but, still a punk now, but, and yeah, this should actually, but this should tell us something actually that actually we, I think we, we overcomplicate the spiritual life. And we don't actually also, we don't put up, put in the effort that we ought to. And so we keep on wondering, why am I essentially always in the purgative state or the illuminative <laughs> state? Yeah. Well, it's because you actually are lazy and has not worked at it. Um, the real reason, yeah, like we just don't pray. Let's just be yeah, honest. Yeah. We don't pray. Exactly. So, but I think it gives me hope though too, right? She yeah. achieved this in a short period of time. Because that she means... tried really hard and was super strong? And grace. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Right? This is Obviously, right? Of course, of course, right? But she was always available to that work being in her. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, so this is an important point to reach because when I'm going to talk about her dark, the darkness she experiences later on, it's not a dark night of the soul. She's gone through that already in these three stages. Yeah, it'd be good for you to explain that. Yeah, I want to explain. People get this wrong all the time. Exactly, and I want, but I want to wait till we get to that point. So, anyways, so she is. She eventually makes her final vows as a sister of Loretto in Calcutta, and everyone who speaks of her noticed nothing. You know that they would even say that she was kind of the least of the community. Uh, she did nothing or out of the ordinary. They found her very average, right? Mm -hmm. But everything changed on September fifth. I think it was 1945 if i remember correctly um she was on a train back from darjeeling where she had just done her eight-day spiritual exercises and in the midst of her train ride back she had a mystical experience of jesus she had three visions the first was a vision of jesus on the cross the second of him saying i thirst the second, I'm, I'm, I might be getting a couple of my details a bit wrong because I don't have the book in front of me at the moment, but sure. uh, the second vision was Jesus on the cross with all these poor Indian people. And by Indian, I mean from India, uh, people huh? surrounding him saying, I thirst for souls. And the third is a vision of Our Lady with that saying, and essentially Jesus saying to her, I want poor nuns in the clothing of the people from India to serve the poor. I thirst for these people. Will you, will you, uh, will you, will you do this? Mm -hmm. And I forgot one point, and this is really important. Sorry, I have to track back a bit. Before okay. all, the, 1942, she makes she makes a promise in spiritual direction that under the pain of mortal sin, she would not uh, she would not refuse God's will. She would refuse God nothing. Okay, and as she. If she refused That's him anything, pretty intense. it is intense. Her spiritual director allowed her to take this vow because she was already living it. So don't make that promise, people. Don't do it. This is the thing. Like do a lot not of people, do it. sometimes the people will, I mean, I, I've heard this many times in confession that like I made a promise to the Lord and I didn't fulfill it. 
And I always, I mean, I don't want to say don't be holy, but like be humble in your promises to God. Like be very humble in your promises to God. Don't yeah. make these big things. And, and, and what she did, she did that with her spiritual director who knew her exactly. well. Exactly, exactly. Right? So she was already living this, but that's a very big promise, right? So this is important going forward now. That, that's okay. So she's had these mystical experiences. She goes back, she brings it to her spiritual director, and he says, I think this is authentic. Wow. So she, she starts writing the Archbishop of Calcutta, saying, This is what, because she's a, she's a vowed religious in this community. She's made permanent vows in the yeah. eyes of the church. You really can't, there's a canonical process to be dispensed from those vows, but that takes time. Mm hmm. She, because she felt that this was God's will for her, she refused to refuse it. And so she would, <laughs> she was going on and on. And it, the poor, if you ever read the book, the poor archbishop was being hounded almost daily with letters from her saying, have you made a decision yet? Because we got to do this right away. And mm -hmm. in the midst of this time, I was talking to Father Brian about this, that she was pretty much in like daily mystical experiences of Jesus. Wow. Uh, he says, there's more stuff to come out about her. So um, this is just kind of a glimpse into things. Eventually, after a year and a half of her pestering the archbishop and him talking to Rome, he gives her permission to leave her community of the Sisters of Loretto, and she starts the Missionaries of Charity. And she, so she leaves. She has about seven rupees in her pocket. She stays with a, a, a family for the first bit, and she does two weeks of education in nursing. And then after the two weeks of education, she starts doing her service to the poor. And we all know her chair. I think even if we don't know a lot about her, we all know that she did. She lived a radical poverty to serve the radically poor. I don't want to talk about that so much because that's easier to perceive. Sure. What happened the first day she started her mission, she experienced a profound darkness, an absence of God. And she, she would go through this for the rest of her life. And this was what was kind of revealed in that book that came out, exactly. right? And exactly. And what shocked people so much. Exactly. She was experiencing deep within her soul the absence of God, the abandonment of God. And for 15 years, she didn't know what to make of it. She tried to talk to different priests, and some priests would say, well, then you're going through a dark night of the soul. And she goes, mm -hmm. but what do, I need, what do I need to be purified from? <laughs> right, she knows her... I, I've not, I haven't refused God anything. I made a promise to him not to refuse him anything. Um, so she's like, she's like going through this internal guilt of what have I, what have I refused him? So, so time out yeah. real quick. Okay. Okay. You say 15 years, like think about how we feel when we have like a few hours yeah. of spiritual desolation, which is different yeah. than what she's going through. Yeah. Like just for 15 years and to remain We're faithful. We're wimps. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're the wimps. End. The end. It's just that simple. We are wimps. Listen, she was able to go through this because she had already been through. It was, she was already at, in the unitive stage of the spiritual life. Yeah. She had expressed a desire to go deeper. <laughs> okay. Now you have to, if you think in, she knows her classical mystical theology, she knows yeah. that she's already at the heights. There's no deeper to go. Yeah. But she has this profound sense of the infinity of God. And so she knows that since God's love is infinite, there is, there's always further depths to be plumbed. And so it's a deeper expression of the unitive way that she's starting to go through, essentially. She, she, see, she, had a profound, she was rooted in God's love so much that even though she never felt his love, she, uh, after this, she was able to 
kind of persevere through it because she knew he was present and she remembered her promise and her vow to refuse him nothing. Yeah. So she's going through this. Eventually what happens is she meets a Jesuit priest about 15 years after this. And she bring, she's been bringing us to multiple priests. And no, like I said, so one guy's saying, you're going through a dark night of the soul. Another yeah. guy is saying, you're going through depression. Like, it's just no one is seeing for, for what it is. And then finally a Jesuit priest, a good Jesuit priest, uh, listens to her confession or something like that. He goes, God has drawn you deeper into his love. And so they get aside and meet. And, and you see these in the letter of correspondence that he was able to help her see that what she was being drawn into was not a, a dark night of the soul. It was a union with the with Christ being abandoned on the cross. And it was a union with the darkness, the spiritual darkness of the people she served. Wow. Yeah. And though she wasn't, though she wasn't able to ever make sense of all of this, though she was never like, like sorry, she made sense of it. But I mean, um, Though she, it never went away, mm -hmm. it, hearing these words and having that direction going forward from this priest really helped her to see that actually God was still really close to her in the darkness, right? She even says, if I'm ever to be a saint, surely it'll be one of darkness so that I can leave, leave the light of heaven to bring the light of Christ on earth. She, she embraced the darkness because yeah. she saw in it the mission, this entering into the suffering of the other not just in a physical way that's what their poverty is meant to express as religious sisters um, that's why they live such a radical poverty but it's meant to express also the interior poverty they're meant to live the poverty of god's love the poverty of not experiencing god's love the poverty of that poor person over there who doesn't know god's love i'm going to experience that too that's going to be our point of communion with each other okay so i have a question okay. for you yeah so i think you i think you touched on it but just to maybe clarify it a little bit so you go through these stages of the spiritual life mm -hmm. um and she's at the highest stage mm -hmm. now god we can receive god's gifts the more we come open to god the more we can receive right 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 so it's one of those things like the more you pray the more love you can receive from god the more you make yourself available okay yeah so as far as the mystical tradition is concerned, she's at the top. Right. And she asks for more. Yeah. And that, that line you said about like being aware of God's infinity is a beautiful thing. She knew she could. Mm -hmm. and it wasn't mm -hmm. like a presumptuous thing. It wasn't like a selfish thing. It was like yeah. a desire to enter even deeper into God. Mm -hmm. So God, out of his great love, gives her this deep experience of darkness. Yeah. That seems almost... I mean, counterintuitive. Like, I love it you is, so much, I'm going to let you suffer in a way that no one does. Like, what, what's going on there? What is the most perfect expression of God's love for us? It's the cross, right? Amen. That's okay. it. You paused for a while. I was like, is it Sorry. not the cross? Yeah. I was like, wrong? <laughs> because I've been lying to people a lot. So oh, no. No. Oh, no. no, exactly. It's the cross. Yeah. The cross mm -hmm. is that perfect form of God's love. It's the clearest expression of his love for us. Yeah. It's it's love incarnate, perfected. Um, so okay. if God but, wants her to, okay, to love him more and to know his love more, he's going to draw her closer to that. Okay. okay. But we're not going to, like in heaven, Yes. we'll see God face to face, right? Yes. If we get to heaven. So that's, yes. nothing's higher than that. We won't experience darkness. Correct. Do you see where I'm going with this question? I see where you're going with this question. And so like, how is this... 
because on earth love has a mission yeah it's not just a me and jesus thing right it's 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 meant to be expressed outward she always likes to talk about the, this horizontal aspect of love you have to serve Christ and others. You have to know, you have to have, have a love for Christ intimately one-on-one, like not one-on-one, but like, like it's, it's about building up the communion of the church essentially. So uh, God's love in heaven, the mission ceases to exist because we're in heaven. The yeah. mission, I mean, we have a mission towards earth, even as saints, but I mean, it, it's expressed differently, but on earth, the mode of expression of God's love is always a cruciform way. Yep. Because it's always a sacrifice, a death to self for the sake of the life of the other. And I think that's why God drew her into this. And it was about, um, there's a lot of stuff to, I mean, I can go on about a lot of stuff about this to say about the I thirst. Like, if you ever go to an MC church, have you ever been, have you ever said Mass with the Sisters? I have not, no. Do you guys have the MCs in Pittsburgh? No, we, we, oh, we yeah. like many dioceses, request them to come, but, you know, yeah. they, they're only so large and they're going to do so Yeah, much. yeah, yeah, okay. If you ever get a chance, it's really worth it. And in every chapel underneath the crucifix, they have the words, I thirst. Mother Teresa was the first thing. This is the chapel. Put a crucifix in there right now. Yeah. And then she plants the words right underneath it. <laughs> it's the, the thirst of Jesus for her was the center of her mission. And that thirst means that you have to have a need to be satiated. Mm-hmm. She's sharing in Jesus's thirst for souls. But that means to thirst, you need to kind of have a dryness. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Would, right? Yeah, that's how it works. You need to be satiated. Now, it's really interesting. There were, it's not to say that this darkness is all encompassing. She, she would always, she would often express how the one place where she, where it was at least less intense was when she was serving the poor. When she was intimately with the poor, she experienced Christ's presence to her through, through them. So, mm-hmm. and it's in all of this, uh, so I want to get to this final point here in a second, but um, it's in all this that she develops a deep love for the Eucharist. She actually didn't start off with an hour of adoration with her sisters every day. It didn't start off in their constitutions. It eventually kind of formulated into it. And she saw us, and there's this great line in this video uh, about her where she, uh, she says, you know, we go to the Eucharist every day to pray to Jesus so we can see him there so that we can see Jesus in the Eucharist just as we can see him in the poor. Yeah. Because for her, the poor are a sacrament of the presence of Christ. Mm. Okay. And then she goes on to say, you know, it's like two expressions of, of his presence. And then she stops with this like intense glare in her eyes. And she says, no, it's the same presence. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pray about that one for a while, you know. I know, but, right? <laughs> but this shows you how her darkness bore immense spiritual fruit for people. There it is. Absolutely. And I, this is, I mean, I, I can, I'm missing a lot of stuff. There's a lot more to say on this, mm-hmm. but I want to, I bring this all to the fore for two reasons. First, this is me practicing a little bit for my retreat I'm giving. <laughs> 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 so yeah. y'all are victim to that. Although this is coming out after the retreat. So, uh, but mm-hmm. secondly, the darkness she experiences is I think, and this kind of ties into our Catholic atheist podcast and a bit to our last podcast about the tradning, okay. uh, this it felt darkness is something most people feel. Mm-hmm. It's the poverty of God of not knowing God's love. And it's deep. And most people don't even recognize that they want God's love. Yeah. And so we need to see that incarnate in 
charity. It's why they're called missionaries of charity, right? It's again, that's that's the whole point of that charity has a mission, right? This is coming from this is all MC for me. The MCs are like foundational to how I see the world. And <laughs> um, it's this idea that charity has this mission and it's going to go out and by showing love, it's going to make credible the gospel. So, and it's going to help people see that in the darkness, wait, no, no, there is this glimmer. There's this like, like spark of light that's actually there. And if I can just catch it, then maybe that'll bring me life too. So I'll give you an example to tie this up and to maybe wrap it up to express. So as people know, I, I spent a year with the missionaries of charity. And when I was in San Francisco and Pacifica, I worked at their place called Gift of Love. And we had a gentleman who came in there one day by the name of Christopher. So it was a hospice for the poorest of the poor who had no place to die. And this man, Christopher, comes in and he had, was suffering essentially from kidney failure and he didn't have a tube to drain himself. So he came in with just a massive, like it looked like he was giving birth to, to quintuplets, you know, Jeez. it was bad. And when he came in, he had severely soiled himself all over the bed. Yeah. And guess who got to clean it all up? This guy. Wow. Right. And so you're just there, you're cleaning up. By this point, I'm just, I'm just used to mess, so you just kind of deal with it. <laughs> the gag um, reflex has been strengthened. It's, it's gone. It's yeah. gone. Yeah. Um, I've I had by that point I I literally washed enough dead bodies to uh, to know to be able to get used to this stuff. So wow, yeah. Which is also a great memento mori thing, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like seriously. that'll be me one day. Um, mm -hmm. Anyways, so I'm cleaning him up, right? And. I just say to him at the end of the night, we're talking for a while about different things. He's a hockey fan. He likes the Sharks, so we're talking. <laughs> and at the end of the night, I say, well, hey, would you like me to say a prayer with you? He goes, no, I don't believe in God. I said, huh. okay, that's fine. Well, I mean, not that's fine, but, you know, okay, okay. Hmm. So I go to bed. We start. I start praying for him. Then he, uh, you know, and then we find out he, he gets drained, finally. Mm -hmm. His stomach shrinks. And we find out we, we get him into the shower finally to mm -hmm. wash him down and he can't really do it he's too weak to do it himself so we have to be in there showering away showering him away mm -hmm. and we find out that he loves showers essentially <laughs> like yeah and we end up giving him a shower every day for like an hour just because he's just so happy and at peace in the shower yeah <laughs> right and about three or four days of doing this you know you shower him you dry him off everything right me and one of the other volunteers are in there with him. We're drying him off. And he looks down at me and he says, why are you doing this for me? Mm -hmm. I said, well, Christopher, it's because I love you and Jesus loves you. And I just kept on drying. Right? Yeah. That night, we're talking a bit more. And I said to him, Christopher, would you like me to pray with you? I just The Holy Spirit just kind of prompted me to ask again. Yeah. He goes, yeah, I think I would like to mm -hmm. pray. So we start to pray. And another Holy Spirit moment. Would you, like, <laughs> would you like to be baptized? He goes, yeah, I think I do. I said, okay. So we called the deacon over. He baptized yeah. him that night. Wow. Uh, and when you're in, when you're in uh, Gift of Love, there is no RCIA because you never know when people are going to die. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, so we what about he gets all the paperwork? There's no paperwork? <laughs> it, it got registered with the local oh, parish. Oh, good, good, good. It got okay. registered. And I was his godfather. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so cool. Well, I actually, I, I was godfather to like four people in that place because wow. yeah. you're, you're the person there. So guess what? Mm -hmm. You get it. And so we baptize him. And uh, the next day, because of kidney failure, his confusion levels just shoot through the roof. Sure. 
he was he didn't know who he was anymore he didn't know where he was and he was losing consciousness fast he died within 48 hours wow and I, you know, so I look at it this way. I've got a saint in heaven praying for me now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Right? But yep. I, I, I don't say that to kind of build myself up. But this is, it's to say, like, I was trying to live the mission of the sisters there. And by living that missionary sense of love, that I'm just going to love you hard and I'm going to clean you up and I'm going to do everything I can to show that you that you're loved, it changes hearts. Yeah. And that's something Mother Teresa lived. And it brought a light to a person who was living in deep spiritual darkness. And I went th during that time, I was going through spiritual darkness because of all the atheists we had living in the place at the time. Sure. And it was good. I didn't want to pray. I wanted to run away from praying. <laughs> I was like, because that was, I was experiencing a communion with their, what they were going through. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of share this more as an example to say, this is the heart of what Mother Teresa did. This is her sharing in this spiritual darkness and if we kind of embrace the darkness a little bit and live hope, hopefully in that, that is going to speak volumes to people to say, wait, you experience the same darkness I do, and yet you smile. Yeah. What's up with that? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the way of the church today. Yeah. I think um, a lot of times when we hear the stories of the saints or we hear about Mother Teresa are instinctual reaction is oh there's no way i could be like that or like it's it's like hopeless for me to be a saint yeah and i don't think that's the point at all yeah like god chooses these certain souls as these very bright lights yeah to reveal something to us to show the world something in particular yeah but her example should give us courage that yes god can work in me and even in my darkness, even if it's not this same kind of intense darkness mm -hmm. and almost almost a pure darkness that Mother mm -hmm. Teresa went through, even my own kind of, even if I brought it all myself because, you know, it's mm -hmm. desolation, whatever it is, this is something that God can make fruitful anyway. Exactly. Look what he did with this woman. He can do something with me, right? Yeah. You know, he did this great thing with her. He can do something good with me. I think yeah. it should give us hope and courage. And that, yeah. so should that story. Because I know exactly. you. Uh, well enough yep. you know via twitter dms and this conversation yeah. you're not very special no <laughs> but look, exactly look what god did with you in those moments like yeah exactly literally used you in a very concrete way visible way to yeah. bring this soul i mean to be honest into heaven like if you yeah. get baptized and then lose your you know will and consciousness like eh, you're, you're pretty much gonna be in heaven right yeah exactly exactly so and that's the thing it's it, that's what sacraments all about that god uses yeah. this insignificant stuff to do amazing things through yep. and i'm insignificant stuff <laughs> yeah exactly <Right? laughs> uh, but that's that's it it's his power it's his grace it's his work it's not mine and it's a beautiful thing to be a part of that's great Amen. cool that's awesome story yeah, so it. anyways, sorry, I monologued a bit with that one, but it's just... No, I was I enraptured <laughs> with your so, great Canadian radio voice and your great story. It was good. So first, apologies again to Tommy Ty. Uh, unfortunately, we can't oh, have you on this, this week. Is getting, this is getting embarrassing. We even we mentioned need San Francisco. To get our act together. Yeah. We even mentioned yep. San Francisco and not bringing it on. But oh. we'll try again next week. Yep. Um, 
you know, so please download us or go. We're on iTunes, Google Play. We're working on Spotify. Maybe we're and, even on Spotify by now. Hopefully. Okay. Hopefully by now we're on Spotify <laughs> and all the other major. Please leave reviews. Tell your friends. Uh, we're at, you can email us clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. We're at clericalpod on Twitter. I'm at fr Harrison. And I'm at Father Shiraba. And, and uh, this has been. Uh, this has been Clerically Speaking, so God bless y'all. Peace.